today we're going to look at the book of Proverbs, and there's various passages here. And, uh, you know, we've been going through the book of Proverbs, and uh, we're continuing that through, uh, through the summer. And so if you look in your bulletins, uh, the passage is printed here today. And as I read it aloud, you can just follow along. Proverbs. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever utters slander is a fool. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. An evil man is ensnared by the transgression of his lips, but the righteous escapes from trouble. From the fruit of his mouth, a man is satisfied with good, and the work of a man's hand comes back to him. Whoever speaks the truth gives honest evidence, but a false witness utters deceit. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, and the tongue of the wise brings healing. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. The heart of the wise makes his speech judicious and adds persuasiveness to his lips. A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Whoever gives an honest answer kisses the lips. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. With patience, a ruler may be persuaded, and a soft tongue will break a bone. This is the word of the Lord. You know, this summer we've been going through the book of Proverbs, and we've been saying that we need more wisdom. And, you know, it's been a couple weeks since I've preached here, so let me just kind of give a reminder as, why, as to why we are looking at the book of Proverbs. You know, it all kind of started with this idea that we live in an age where we have access to a lot of information. Because of our phones, our smartphones, because of Google, uh, you can pretty much search for anything. You can search for tips on how to make friends. You can search for how long you should cook your steak. You should search for things like how many people live in Manhattan, right? These are all things that you can find on the internet and on Google. And, uh, you know, even though it's important to have uh, access to a lot of information and to have the right information, uh, what you will soon find is it's not actually enough to navigate life well. You see, we need wisdom in life because you can't always find the answer on Google. Life isn't always about black and white, but there's a lot of grays in life, and because of those grays, we need to be able to navigate it with great success, and that's why we need wisdom. And, you know, there is no greater area where we can use wisdom than the area of communication, right? And I think Proverbs would probably agree with that because there is actually no topic that is addressed more than the topic of speech, which is what we're going to look at today. Now, Proverbs 18.21, I think it serves as a good summary, and basically it says this, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's an incredible statement to make, and it certainly goes against the common phrase that we typically hear growing up, that uh, sticks and stones will hurt my bones, but words will never hurt me. You know, if death and life are in the power of the tongue, words actually have a lot of power, don't they? Words have power to bring life, and words have power to bring destruction, which means that we need to consider how we use our words and be a little bit more careful with our words. Now, the way our culture is currently constructed, you know, we probably undermine the power of words, and therefore uh, we lean towards using our words a little bit carelessly, and that's certainly true in our Twitter world where people are always reacting and trolling 
and saying things without really uh, giving thought or consideration. And the thing about words is once they have been spoken and once they have been heard or once they have been read, you can't unsay them. And you can delete a tweet, but if somebody has read it, it lingers and it stays in the minds and in thoughts of that person for a very long time. Now, I think most of us know that words are powerful, at least on an experiential level. Uh, I don't know if I have to really convince anybody of that because I think we oftentimes remember moments where, so where somebody said something very painful to us or something very hurtful or something very discouraging to us. You know, if you're a minority, uh, you probably remember instances where somebody said something really racist to you and said something like, go back to your country, right? Because that is something deeply hurtful. We probably remember when someone told us, you know, you're a real disappointment or you're a failure or you're somebody that isn't worth all that much. I think these things hurt us very deeply when it's spoken to us and we remember these things. And you know, Proverbs 12, 18, it, it gives this imagery or this analogy that rash words are like sword thrusts. It, and it's telling us this, that words can actually wound. And if not, a sword is not used carefully, it can wound. And after it wounds, what does it do? It leaves scars. But you know, on the flip side, words can be very positive. Words can be a great source of strength. Words can be a great source of healing. Because when somebody encourages you, when somebody validates you, when somebody says they love you, it's like a healing balm, isn't it? Some of us remember when someone gave us words of affirmation, told us we did a good job, said that we meant a lot to them. And we oftentimes remember, I think, very heartfelt words spoken to us during important events like a graduation, like a birthday, like at a wedding. And I think when we don't recognize that words have power, it actually hurts us doubly because that usually means this, that we carelessly use our words, which can oftentimes hurt people. But it also means that we probably don't intentionally use our words in such a way to encourage and build up because we underestimate the power that words have. You see, words have the power to do a lot of things, but it also has a power actually to bring greater reality to a situation. You should never say something unless you really mean it, right? I learned that lesson. You see, many years ago, when my wife and I, before we had children, uh, my wife and I, we were living in a small studio apartment in Brooklyn. And for years, she's like, can we get a dog? Can we get a dog? And I said, no, no, no. You know, I had one moment of weakness. And in that one <laughs> moment of weakness, you know what I said? I was like, you know what? <sighs> if we get a bigger space, then fine, we can get a dog. You know what happened the first month after we moved to that bigger space? We got a dog, right? And I was like, yeah, but I didn't, you know, I wasn't really serious when I said that. She's like, are you a man of your word? You said it, right? <laughs> and she clung on to those words like our dog clings on to a bone of ribeye. And, uh, you know, words bring greater reality to a situation. Now, on a more serious note and on a negative side, let me give you some advice. And this is not biblical advice. This is just personal advice if you're married. Don't ever, 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 ever say the word divorce. Don't ever say it right? I'll tell you why. You know, it's easy to think about it, and I'm sure many people think about it in the midst of a hard season of marriage, and of course, marriage is hard, and you go through very difficult seasons. But here's the thing. Once that goes from thought, and you actually say the word divorce, or you threaten it, uh, in my personal experience, I've seen it accelerate things much quicker, and things really get uh, nasty after that point. 
just by saying that word. You see, there is a difference between just thinking something and saying something, although hopefully you're not thinking it, but saying it, it, it does something that brings, again, greater reality to a situation. And it's because words, again, are powerful. Words are powerful. Now, I think words have probably been responsible for more conflict, murder, <laughs> wars, psychological damage than we probably think. We probably underestimate the power of words and the damage that they have caused. And conversely, words have probably led to more love and healing and reconciliation and emotional health than we probably think. And therefore, the wisdom of Proverbs tells us to consider the power of words and the impact that they have. Now, as, as I said, I think, I think Proverbs addresses the topic of communication more than perhaps any other topic, but today, I think I just have to give a very broad overview, and, and I, I just want to summarize two things in terms of what I see in the Proverbs when it comes to communication, when it comes to our words. I think the first thing that Proverbs is concerned with is what we say. What we say matters. The content of what we say matters. But you know, the second thing that Proverbs is concerned with is how we say it. So what we say, but also how we say it. And I imagine many of your conflicts, because you know, I'm looking at my wife back there, and uh, many of our conflicts probably <laughs> boil down to this. Uh, a lot of miscommunication relate to these two things. One person says something you know, a little bit harsh, maybe truthful, but a little bit harsh to someone, and that other person has an issue with not what that person said, but how that person said it, and the first person says, well, I'm being honest, right? Who cares how I said it? This is the truth, and the second person says, I don't care if what you say is true because the way you said it is very disrespectful and very condescending, and you know what happens? All communication <laughs> breaks down, and you see, if you fall into either camp in your communication, and if you think, well, what's more important is the content of what I say, or if you think what's more important is how I say what I say, then you fall short of the wisdom of Proverbs because Proverbs actually cares about both. You have to be truthful in what you say, but you also have to be able to present that truth in a way that is wise and loving. And that's how words can be and will be used productively and constructively to bring life to a person and to bring life into a relationship. And so we'll, let's look at those two things. So first, Proverbs cares about the content of our words, and essentially what that means is this. The dominant theme here is about truth and honesty, and therefore the content of our words should reflect truth. The content of what we, sh we say should reflect honesty. You see, in the ancient world, honesty was very important, and especially... Uh, it was especially important because it determined the fate of a person sometimes in the legal system. Uh, the ninth commandment forbids what? Bearing false witness. Why? Because the very concept of justice depended upon the honest testimony of witnesses. And so somebody could be stoned and killed based on what somebody says, based on what a witness says. Now justice, I think, which is necessary for an orderly society, is largely dependent upon honesty, dependent upon truth. And I think we're starting to see the importance of truth for an orderly society because uh, a lot of people are growing in distrust of either government or media outlets or certain things in terms of communicating honest truth to us. And the result of that is probably leading to more polarization or uh, a fractured republic. 
I've also heard that if you take a business ethics class, maybe some of you people who took MBAs, maybe you can validate this. I, I don't know for sure, but this is something I heard. If you take a business ethics class, uh, what they teach is the most profitable business model is actually to be honest. <laughs> uh, be honest with your customers. Because if you're not honest with your customers in the long run, that's going to hurt your business. And so you see, honesty is something that's important and useful for these different spheres in life, whether it's just an orderly society in general, whether it's in business, whether it's in relationship. But you see, aside from the pragmatic importance of truth and what truth does, honesty is important. Truth is important because of the vertical dimension of our spirituality. You know, if you read the beginning of the Bible in Genesis 3, uh, you'll find that one of the causes for sin and the disintegration of Adam and Eve's relationship with God is due to a lie. It's due to a deception. There's a serpent in the garden, and this serpent says, you know, if you eat from this tree, if you eat this fruit, you will not surely die. Even though God forbade you to eat it, even though God said you will die, the serpent comes and he gives a deception. He gives a lie and says, you will not surely die. And you know what happens? They end up believing the serpent's lie over God's truth and... Sin and death are introduced into paradise. Now, Proverbs tells us this. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. But you see, trust is always connected to something that is truthful. Trust is connected to something that is true. You should only trust that which you believe to be true. If you are looking over this frozen lake and you see all these deep cracks forming in the ice and then you see a sign and it says, this lake is perfectly safe to drive a car on top of it, the degree to which you trust that sign depends largely on whether you believe what the sign says is true, right? The reason why Proverbs says to trust in the Lord with all your heart is because God is trustworthy. God is truth. And our problem is that we decide to believe oftentimes in a deception that we think is true and that usually gets us into trouble. Now, I think everybody here has an experience of being deeply deceived, right? Everybody probably has that experience. And once you find out the truth of something, I think it does something to you. When you feel like you've been deceived, you so oftentimes you'll feel humiliated and uh, you begin to start doubting everything, even though things, even the things that may be true. You know, I've been deceived quite a few times. I guess uh, I'm a little bit gullible. You know, I've been deceived, I've, I think I've shared these stories, but I've been deceived by people on the street who have asked me for money and they give like this sob story <laughs> and then uh, I see them later on and I find out that their story is actually not true. And you know what happens after you are deceived? Uh, you know what, what I did? Uh, I begin to conclude this, you know, everyone is trying to deceive me and anybody who asks me for money has to be lying to me. That's what I conclude. I doubt everything, right? I doubt the truth of everything. And, you know, that's actually a very toxic attitude to have because then you lose your capacity to love others. You lose your capacity to show compassion. You get jaded. And in other words, you, you become a hardened person. And that's not a good thing. And I think what usually softens us is when we come into contact with something that is genuine and something that is authentic and something that is true. And it has a way, I think, of softening our hearts and opening us up. That's why when people share something very vulnerable, uh, the response typically is not to be more hardened to the other person. The response oftentimes is actually to feel more soft for the other person. And I think that's part of the reason why we need truth and honesty. You know, lies ultimately harden us, but I think truth and honesty soften us. 
Now, second, Proverbs cares about how we use our words. And, uh, you know, the reason why it's important how, in terms of how we use our words is because truth by itself is not enough because truth by itself has the potential to destroy and tear down still. But love must be a companion to truth so that truth can be used to give life and to bring healing and to build up. Uh, the Apostle Paul talks about this in Ephesians 4 when he says, speaking the truth in love, and he links truth and love together because he recognizes that love is a necessary component of truth-telling. And so how we say something is also important in terms of the love component. Now, we're going to have to be a little bit brief here. I'm going to try basically breeze through by, by these things because we don't have enough time to uh, look at these things in depth. But I want to point out just three characteristics that we see summarized here in these Proverbs in terms of how do we communicate, how do we convey truth with honesty. The first thing we see here is this, that our words should be soft and gentle. They should be soft and gentle. Now, that's not saying you should be weak, but Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And then 15.4 says, A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Now think about the last verbal confrontation you were in. Maybe it was with a family member, maybe it was with a coworker, maybe it was with a random person on the street. Think about that last verbal confrontation you were in and ask yourself this, how many times did you persuade the other person through harsh words? How many times? You know, in my experience, harsh words tend to escalate things, they tend to escalate arguments, they tend to break down relationship, they tend to be less productive, and in those conversations, nobody wins, usually. Usually nobody wins. In my limited experience uh, in speaking to customer service representatives, uh, I imagine they know this as well. I imagine they're probably even trained in this area as well. You know, whenever any of us call customer service, uh, we, we probably do it because we're pretty angry about something or pretty upset about something, we're fired up about something. We usually don't call customer service to say, hey, guys, you're doing such a great job. Your company is great, right? And therefore, when we talk to them, we, we probably begin by speaking to them very harshly. And, uh, you know, some of that is probably intentional because when we speak harshly, right, we think that's how we get what we want. But, you know, the good customer service reps, uh, I think they follow the wisdom of this Proverbs because they don't allow themselves to respond with anger and they're able to kind of diffuse the, the situation a little bit. Uh, the bad customer service reps, they, they take it personally and they get defensive. And uh, uh, when that happens, right, it usually disintegrates and you say, I want to talk to somebody else. I want to talk to your manager. You see, sometimes you can tell the rep is uh, probably rehearsing a script, right? It sounds very fake and it's like, yes, I hear you. I understand that you have a problem with this, right? <laughs> They're just reading from a script. You can tell. But there are the ones where uh, they might be reading from a script, but it does sound very genuine, and it comes off as very empathetic. And they give a very soft answer, and many times I do think that it does turn away wrath. And I have a personal example of this. You know, recently I was talking to AT&T, which is my wireless phone carrier, and for some reason on my credit card there was a charge for a service that I did not order. I think it was like DirecTV. And I was a little annoyed by that. I'm like, why are you charging me for something that I didn't order? So I called them. I was a little annoyed. I was like, hey, what's going on? Why am I being charged for this service I didn't sign up for? And, you know, the customer service rep was actually really good. She was very gentle, and her response was very empathetic. And she was saying, oh, no, I'm sorry to hear that. You know, that's not right. You know, I'm sorry that happened. You know, I'm going to try to help you get to the bottom of this right away. And uh, 
that response actually helped me because you know, I stopped speaking very harshly to her, and to me it sounded genuine. It's a tiny example of the truth of this Proverbs. You can probably apply it to your personal life and your personal situation. In fact, it probably means more in your personal relationships because I don't really have anything to lose over the phone with a customer service rep because I don't have a close relationship with that person, and after I hang up the phone, I will never see that person again. But think about this. Think about a relationship in which is ongoing. And you see, a soft word really helps diffuse anger. And imagine what it can do for us and our relationships if we don't respond to anger with a harsh word, but we respond with a soft word, with gentleness. Second thing we see here in the wisdom of the Proverbs is this, our words should be restrained. And by restrained, I mean this, that our words shouldn't come out like word vomit, but there should be some kind of restraint in terms of how often we speak. We should probably speak less and uh, the reason is because when we speak less, we're probably listening more. Now, Proverbs 10.19 says this, When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. And then look at Proverbs 12.18, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. I think another way we can say this is Proverbs is saying we should be careful and deliberate with our words. And of course, that goes back to the idea that words are powerful. Since words are powerful, we need to be careful with them uh, as we would with a sword in our hands. You know, when we talk too much, uh, there's, there's a gr great temptation, right? Proverbs says uh, it can lead to transgression. I think when we talk too much, there is greater danger of things like gossip or slander. Uh, you know, you probably notice this, but oftentimes when Christians gather to pray, Usually, uh, it's heavily loaded on the sharing side and not as heavy on the, the praying side. And uh, prayer meetings, right, these kind of prayer meetings sometimes are the places where uh, you actually hear the most gossip, right? You hear about what's going on in people's lives and the problems that other people have. And the reason why we probably like sharing rather than praying is not uh, because they inform our prayer, but I think we love gossip. We just love gossip. Now, I didn't include any of the Proverbs about gossip, but let me just say a little about gossip. Uh, I have oftentimes wondered why uh, we enjoy gossip. And even when that gossip is not something bad, but even when it's good news. And my guess is this, that gossip makes us feel good because it means that we know something that other people don't. And that makes us feel like we're an insider. That makes us feel like maybe we're superior to others who don't have that same inside knowledge. And I don't know if that's universal, but that would, of course, be my guess. And if that's the reason why we feel good when we know private information, then I think it'll make us feel even better when we're the person who divulges that private information because it's a way to kind of show off, hey, I knew this information and I'm now passing it to you. You know, the human heart is very twisted in that way. And that's probably one of the reasons why it's actually better to exercise greater restraint in our words uh, because the more we talk, the more things like that might just come out, even if it's unintentional. But here's the other thing. I think one of the most important ways we love people in our communication is actually by taking a posture of listening, right? Take a posture of listening. You know, when we talk too much, it means we're not listening. Uh, it means we care more about getting our point across rather than understanding the other person. Good counselors are not good because 
they talk a lot and they spew good advice. Oftentimes good counselors are good because they're good listeners and they take the time to get to understand uh, the other person. You see, when you take the, the time to listen, I think what ends up happening is your words actually end up becoming weightier. Uh, if you're a loquacious person, maybe one of your frustrations with people is you don't feel like anybody ever listens to you and therefore your temptation to, re to respond to that is actually to try and talk more in order to get people to listen to you. But I think the wisdom of Proverbs would say this, maybe take a step back and maybe try to exercise restraint in your speech and try listening more. And perhaps through that, your words actually become weightier and it becomes easier to get your point across. Third, our words uh, should be timely. Proverbs 25-11 says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Now when it says a word fitly spoken, it's saying a word that's spoken at the right time and in the right way. Now we already talked about speaking a word in the right way, so let me talk for a moment about speaking a word at the right time. I think this is probably one of the hardest things to grasp in terms of good communication. You know, you've heard the expression, timing is everything. I don't know if timing is everything, but timing is surely important. And you know this because you could say something to a friend that may be true, but it may not be the right time, and therefore the words that you've spoken uh, are not really remembered or received or taken. But you see, a word that is spoken at the right time is kind of like an arrow hitting a bullseye. And it's on the money, and it has the most opportunity to make the greatest impact on a person. You know, a word of affirmation when a person is feeling really worthless, the timing of that can be life-giving. You know, a word of advice when a person is feeling really lost, the timing of that can be life-altering. A word of correction when a person is feeling like they're untouchable can actually be very life-saving. You see, timing, I think, can bring greater power and meaning to our words, and even when that word is the gospel. You see, you can tell somebody uh, the gospel, you can tell somebody, you know, Jesus loves you and he died upon the cross for you, but you know, if it's not the right time, it can fall on deaf ears, right? But you see, when the Spirit has been preparing somebody to hear those words and when it's been covered in prayer and those words are proclaimed at the right time, it can bring a person to shed tears of repentance and then tears of joy and then tears of gratitude. And our, mista our, our mistake is probably, uh, we think it's more about the content of what we say, but then you go overseas and, uh, you know, in a, you, you fumble and you're very clumsy in how you present the gospel and that person says, I want to believe. You know, what's going on? Well, it's the right time. And as I said, you know, it's not easy to always know when the right time is to speak a certain word, which is just another reason why we need a lot of wisdom. See, most of the time when I wrestle with whether I should say something to somebody, uh, it's usually about timing. Is it the right time? Is it too early? Am I too late? Should I wait until I have some one-on-one -on -one time? Should I wait until uh, work season slows down? Should I let somebody else do it? Right? These are, these are the kind of questions I have when I think about saying something to somebody. And Proverbs tells us that when we speak a word fitly, it's invaluable. It's like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Just picture that in your mind, right? Apples of gold in a setting of silver. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's treasured. 
Okay, up until now. <clears throat> All, a lot of this just sounds like good advice, right? Proverbs is very tweetable. Uh, in fact, when I was reading the passages, I, I might as well have been reading like Twitter, right? All the way down. All this sounds like good advice, but where is God in all of this, right? Well, here's the thing. God is actually everywhere in all of this because God cares more about words than anyone. He cares more about words than anyone. As I said, a few of us, we just got back from this prayer march. And, you know, while we were in Turkey, by the way, thank you for praying. Uh, and I asked the elders to have the church pray extra while we were in Turkey. And I thank you for those prayers. While we were in Turkey, uh, the team, we studied the book of Acts together. And, you know, I never noticed this and I never realized this, but, you know, in Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit comes and falls upon people, do you remember what happens? What it says is this. It says, tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And as they were speaking in these different tongues, they were all able to understand one another. Now, what is God doing there in that moment? He is bringing healing by gathering his people together, and he does it through tongues. He does it through speech. You see, it's a reversal of what happened in Genesis 11 in the Tower of Babel story, because in that story, humanity is filled with great pride, and they try to build a tower to get to reach heaven, and God comes down and he confuses their language and he disperses the people all over the face of the earth. And in that case, the inability to understand one another divided the people because of their pride and because of their sin. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes and tongues of fire falls upon each of them and they're speaking in different tongues, and yet they are able to understand one another, what is that telling us? Words have the power to redeem. Words have the power to bring people together. Words are one of the ways God reverses the curse of sin in this world. The message of the gospel is preached using words. You know, there's a famous saying that says, preach the gospel, if necessary, use words. And it's a nice saying that's basically saying this. It's also important to live the gospel, not just speak it. But you can't take that statement too literally because the gospel comes to us oftentimes through words. And it's not only the words of the preacher, it's not only the words of the Bible, but the actual content of the gospel comes to us in the ultimate and in the final word, in the person of Jesus Christ. Gospel of John says Jesus is the word of God incarnate. Hebrews 1 tells us that Jesus is the final word. They're not saying this, that Jesus came, simply came to, to tell us the word or to speak the word. They're saying Jesus is the very personification of the word of God, that Jesus himself is the very content of the word of God. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the truth. He doesn't come to tell the truth. And surely he tells the truth, but Jesus is much more than that. He personifies truth. He came to us as a word of God, and in that way he fulfills what Proverbs is saying in terms of the content of good words, in that he embodies truth and he embodies honesty. But again, Proverbs also cares about how that word comes to us. How did Jesus come to us? Well, Jesus came to us as the word to turn away God's wrath. He came as that soft answer to turn away the wrath of God when he died on the cross. He received the wrath of God so that God's holy anger would be turned away from us. Jesus came somewhat restrained as a revelation of God because he didn't reveal everything about God, 
He didn't even reveal the entirety of God's plan or when he would return again, but he revealed what we needed to know for life and salvation. And Jesus, finally, he came at the right time according to the eternal plan of God the Father. And he comes to us personally at the right time according to his infinite wisdom. But we can't simply summarize this and say that Jesus comes as both, we can actually, I should say, summarize this and say that Jesus comes to us both as truth but also as love together as the word of God. And he embodies these twin pillars of good use of words because he is the personification of the perfect word. And you see, words, our ability to speak, how we speak to one another, it is a deeply spiritual activity and God is deeply embedded in it. And you see in terms of God's uh, way of redeeming humanity, words are a big part of it. Words are a big part of it. And so consider what you say and consider how you say it as you consider what God said in Christ and how Christ came to us. Let's pray together.